As nurses, our patients are counting on us to advocate for them, to speak up when something doesn't seem quite right. But that's certainly easier said than done. How do I make sure I speak up in a way that's heard? We'll talk about all of that and more on today's episode of Nurse Essentials. Hi, and welcome to Nurse Essentials, a Cleveland Clinic podcast where we discuss all things nursing, from patient care to advancing your career to navigating tough on-the-job issues. We're so glad you're here. I'm your host, Carol Pahatsky, Associate Chief Nursing Officer of Surgical Services Nursing. The topic of speaking up is one that's certainly near and dear to my heart. And one that can take all forms. It can be as simple as, I need more information, I need another order, I need a clarification on an order. It can go to, I don't think we're headed in the right path, or I have a question, and it can go all the way to, I think we need to stop the line, there's a problem here. And I can still remember from many a year ago, as a new nurse, that fear or that concern about how am I going to speak up? I know I need to say something. I'm not sure what to do. And benefiting from preceptors and experienced nurses all around me that would take me under their wing and say, here, say it like this, or let's think about what you need to say and let me help you sort of practice how to say it before you have to make that phone call. And and sometimes we have that time and sometimes we don't. And, And that's why speaking up and in a way that gets heard is so important to our specialty and our career. So our special guest today is Craig Tobias. He's a director of nursing at Cleveland Clinic Marymount Hospital. And during his nearly 16 year career, he's led nursing teams across multiple specialties. And those interactions have taught him a lot about when and how to raise concerns about patient care and safety. Craig, welcome, thank you for joining us. Ah, Hi, Carol. Thanks for having me. Excited to do my first podcast. (laughs) Right. I got to brag to my kids. I was doing a podcast this week. (laughs) I don't know if they think I'm crazy or I'm old already because, you know, for a 13-year-old, I should be doing TikTok, not podcasts already. Uh, So I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing 13-year-olds aren't our target demographic yet, right? (laughs) Not yet. Not yet. That's right. So nurses are in a privileged position. We observe. We address safety issues. If you have a story from your career throughout, something that resonates with you, you, clearly you've been passionate about speaking up as well. So what sort of comes to your mind first about a story in your career around speaking up? In Cleveland Clinic way, patients came first, come first, and we're always going to stand up to do the right thing for a patient. And I think... Throughout my career, from a staff nurse to the charge nurse to an AM to a manager to a director, there's always that opportunity. And it just feels natural and easy for nursing to say, hey, that's not the best thing for a patient today. And then that one's the easy one for us. I, I think where we start to learn and have to really grow more is when we do that with each other sometimes and finding that same type of, you know, my coworker is just as important or, you know, the entire hospital patient view as much as is as important as well. So I have a hundred of them when I worked in the PACU, you know, (laughs) we're not moving on until we all do this universal timeout. And I've had many on the floor as as a staff nurse on med surge where it's like, this is one of those patients that we're not going to leave alone today. Mm -hmm. This is one of those situations where this order from a provider is not the right order and we're going to question it. And there's a lot of examples of that. But I think the important part is it's always easy to say what's best for the person involved, right? And that's where we really find kind of our North Star and all of that, you know, patients first, caregivers always. And at the Cleveland Clinic, that's what we try to do best. So Absolutely. And true for nurses everywhere. But yes, lots to be proud of here. So thinking about that, you know, obviously, no one likes to be wrong. <laughs> no one likes sticking their neck out, right? That's not necessarily easy to do. So 
I know I've heard from nurses that say, but what if I'm wrong? So you're approached by a nurse who says that same thing. What do you tell them about speaking up and that concern about maybe not being right and speaking up? Yeah, great question. Uh, and I think, you know, that's a, a culture and a shift that we actually do well at the Cleveland Clinic. But I think there's always going to be that, you know, I don't want to be wrong, like you said. But you'd rather second guess than not question it and then be wrong in the other direction, right? Sure. And so I think that for me, the more important piece of that is it's always okay to ask twice, right? It's always okay to say, eh, somebody explain that to me. And I think I've learned a lot in my director role about sitting back and asking questions versus just seeking out answers. And that's something that I think we have to teach all of our caregivers from you know, anybody in the system in any type of role is it's okay to ask a question. We tell small children this, no question's a dumb question, right? That's right. Yeah. And in reality, that is true because we'd all rather know and do it the right way. And if it takes five seconds to ask a question, it's well worth that five seconds for 10 minutes if we're all on the same page. So let's say I'm a brand new nurse and I think you've raised already a great point about forming it in a question. Then it's seeking more information. It's not quite so interrogative, if you will. It diffuses the situation. What are some other strategies you've shared with newer nurses or maybe nurses new to our specialty? You know, we, we both have spent time in peri-op and PACU services and it's different speaking up in a different specialty. So what would you share with nurses who are new to our specialty or to nursing in general? Yeah, I think it's part of the job that we have to actually really make sure we take the time to train and orient it, right? And so definitely don't avoid it. Don't wait till that situation occurs to say, hey, here's the day you should stop the line. We have enough examples being a large healthcare system and having a lot of experience in stopping the line. We can share those experiences before we even get to that scenario. And this way we're setting that groundwork of, okay, Here's a really good one for you. So-and-so didn't sign the consent form and wants to take the patient to surgery. No, we're going to stop the line. That's an automatic one, right? And then we give caregivers, new caregivers, some support and knowledge base of what already stop the line really means versus it's two in the morning and I have to call a doctor for something and they don't want to wake up. And then you know we do that whole thing around, round and round and round. Or it's the weekend and I don't want to bother my nurse manager because they're at home and it's the weekend. And we didn't run into these other nuances where we can run into it. I think if we educate on the front end about what's important and why, and then give them real-time examples of what we're dealing with, it helps cement that too. Yeah, absolutely. It's content to be delivered. And so for any of our listeners, no matter which organization you're from, really taking back, if you're a leader, considering that, and if you're not a leadership position, taking to your leadership, really talking about how do we integrate this into residencies and into nurse fellowships, into any training to really make sure that the first time I've spoken up isn't the first time in clinical practice. How do I create simulations or case studies or other opportunities that it's safe for nurses to practice those phrases? So when it happens the first time clinically, there's those canned phrases they can pull out of their back pockets. Some of our, when I think to our, our, our OR nurses in training, you know, some of our most experienced OR nurses turn to those new parap residents and say, here's my words, just use them till you come up with your own. And so really arming our nurses or any of our healthcare professionals with sort of those key phrases, then it, it doesn't have to be creative writing. It can be, here's what I need to say to get your attention. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we have to be careful that we don't apologize for asking to speak up, right? And yeah. I think that's something that we struggle with sometimes. 
hello, Dr. So-and-so, I'm sorry to bother you yep. about this patient safety <laughs> risk, right? No, that's what we're doing. And then we're doing it all for the right reasons, right? And, and no one should ever apologize for saying, I have a safety concern. So I think that's one that we really need to encourage too. It's the right thing to do always, and no one should ever feel sorry for it, right? Absolutely. And I think that's a good point about, too, how do we teach people to listen up when someone's spoken up? Any thoughts about that? Yeah, well, obviously, listening is a lot harder than talking. (laughs) I think we do well when we, as a system and as a Cleveland Clinic, when we do safety rounds, right? And now we have talking on safety points that I think we get every week about the last year's safety event. There's some transparency in that. But if we just run out and say, hey, everybody, this is what happened at Marymount last week. Don't let it happen to your hospital. Then we're not actually going to get anywhere. We really got to be able to ask open probe questions, which then prompt you to listen back. So, hey, this happened at one of our sister hospitals. Do you think it could happen here? And somebody says, absolutely, that could happen here yesterday because this happened and that happened. And that's where you really start to gather the information that's going to help us be safer. And I think that's where we have to empower our teams to tell us what those issues are or what those those gaps might be so that we can have better communication and better outcomes for everybody. And in the moment, any suggestions for, I'm a senior nurse perhaps working with a junior nurse and that junior says, excuse me, I'm not sure we're on the right path. And maybe as a senior nurse, I'm not used to hearing that. So what would you tell me in terms of how to hone in my listening skills in the moment? Yeah, again, I think part of it's education and teaching. Part of it's making sure we have the right cultures in place. Nursing has been talking about eating the young since Florence Nightingale, I think. And so here we are in 2023. That's one of the least concerns I wish we would ever have is that we're not willing to listen to each other and have that open dialogue, no matter who it is. I'm living in the medical surgical world right now. I have nurses who got a couple of years to go and they're retiring, you know, mid 60s. And I have 21 year old new grads. For them to work together, sometimes it's the subject's forced, but at the same time, they all know when they do it together, it makes the day go better. The patients are safer. We have less hiccups. So I think speaking to those things as well, take your knowledge as an experienced nurse and give that to someone else. It's lessons, it's life lessons, it's professional lessons. I would like to say everybody gets it right every time too, but we also look <laughs> that's not a reality. And that's part of it too. Let's do our best. We all know it's going to be tough with whatever the scenario might be, but let's do the best we can today, you know, and then debrief, right? Hey, how do you think it went with your coaching session with your new grad yesterday? Do you think he could have done it differently? Maybe give some feedback, things like that. You know, coaching and learning, we talk about it in, in nursing all the time. It's a lifelong learning experience. Nursing is healthcare in general. And so I think that's part of it, too, making sure we're all willing to be able to improve on ourselves no matter the scenario. Well, and back to your point about education, you know, being in receipt of someone speaking up to you, there should be intentionality around that as well as talking to nurses of all sorts of tenure or physicians or providers is, is really that intentionality that says, if somebody says to you, I have a question, the right answer is, what's your question? <laughs> Not, I don't have time for your question, right? So really being intentional about talking to people that if somebody's speaking up, I need to listen up. And that's a phrase we, we've used in this organization. And no matter where you're listening from, really thinking about how can you, as a nurse in your organization, advocate for two-ended education, right? That's how do I say I have a concern and how should I receive that concern when it's voiced to me? 
So you mentioned, we, we've talked a little bit about junior nurses and senior nurses and, and really bridging that gap. I, I, certainly as, as nurses, we interact with providers as well. Any strategies that you'd share with nurses around ways to really communicate with our providers when it's, whether it's an urgent speaking up opportunity or something that is a, a slightly less time bound and really how to make sure to get our, our message across? Yeah, so we were talking about this as a hot topic right now, plan of care visits, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we do plan of care visits, sometimes we see our nurses kind of sitting in the back seat, you know, and the and the physician's driving the plan of care visit. And at the end of it, it's like, hey, is that okay? And the nurse says yes, and then they walk out of the room. Being an active participant in that dialogue is something that we really need to encourage more of. But I think that's where we get it at, right? And that's going to build that relationship between the provider and the nurse and then the patient, ultimately, they're going to see, oh, look, there's there's my nurse, Craig, and, and he's talking to Dr. So-and-so about my care. He really understands what's going on just as much as my doctor does. I feel safe. I feel comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think it also, that'll help encourage the patient to say, I actually don't understand what the two of you are talking about. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right? And so, yep. like, I want to be on the inside of that, too. So, I think there's opportunity still, and I think it's mainly because of the speed of pace of time. No one has ill intentions of not wanting their patient or their nurse or their doctor to understand what's happening today. It's whether or not we know how to stop ourselves in the moment and say, okay, let's all stop and actually have this conversation versus let's fly through it because we got to get to the next hundred things. And that's high reliability when you talk about it too, right? This is how we really get into like what we're going to do and what matters most and what's going to be the most important thing today. And then plan a care visit, that's the patient's understanding, right? Does my patient, our patient, understand what's happening today? Absolutely. You know, you mentioned high reliability, and there's there's no shortage of curriculum out there and approaches that really look into how to create this culture in any organization, not just ours, that says we, we dialogue with each other. And really, we know that whether it's near-miss events where, where we caught it just in time or not, that there's lots of precursor events. There's the, the Swiss cheese holes aligning, if you will, et cetera. So we know it's not people, it's processes, really. But that's much easier to say and to talk about when you're not one of the Swiss cheese holes when you're not somewhere in that process as a healthcare provider. What what would you tell nurses who who say, but if I speak up, it's going to come out that I made a mistake or I was distracted or somehow feeling like this is this is the pointy end of the stick for them? Yeah, and that's hard. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Nobody wants to be, quote unquote, in the wrong or do something wrong. And, and certainly nobody wants to cause patient harm, right? And it's probably one of the worst feelings when you come to work every day to take care of somebody, but in the end, you may have not done your best and actually gone the other direction and caused harm, or you missed something that caused harm. Or, you know, one of the scenarios that we have in one of the great tools that we have here is the Just Culture Tree, right? Mm-hmm. Are we doing everything we're supposed to do the best way we can so that if it is a process, then we know, right? This is a process failure and the process failed the caregiver versus, you know, someone didn't follow the process and then we have to deal with it in a different direction. And I think that's important that we discuss those tools. It's like anything else, I think, in, in my personal humble opinion, if you tell me there's a curveball in, in the pitcher's repertoire, I'm going to know when I get when I strike out by a curveball, eh, I should have seen the curveball coming, right? Mm-hmm. And so same thing with caregivers. They want to be educated. They want to know the process of things that happen. It's not meant to scare people. It's not meant to 
cause fear of not doing right or wrong. It's just that, you know what, when something does go wrong, we're going to look at it a certain way to make sure we do everything we can to make sure it never happens again. Certainly. And and it isn't always that something bad has happened. It's it, Oftentimes it's, it's it could have or we, we missed a step in the process. And that's why it really isn't just about the outcome. It's really looking at this process didn't go how it was supposed to. So really creating those mechanisms that say we need you to speak up anytime, right? It, it's the process failed me or I got to a step in the process and I didn't know what to do. It wasn't crystal clear. So how do we make those processes as clear as possible for caregivers to take that that uncertainty and that ambiguity out of it for them. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime you say whoops at work, there's a problem, there's an opportunity <laughs> to do something different. Yes. Or, or in the same breath, aha. Yes. You know, like, whoa, that was a great thing, right? Yes. And we can do the thing in the other direction as well. And really making sure that the people who are providing that care are at the table to help create those processes, because they're they're the ones who are going to know. It's it's all well and good to create a policy, but if the caregiver holding that policy says, "I, <laughs> what you have given me here is not something I can execute," it's really how do we make sure that we refined that so that they say, "Got it. Yes, I have everything I need. Fulfill this order or deliver this care. I know what's expected of me, and I know what the best evidence based practice is around this." So certainly we know that not speaking up could have patient harm consequences, but certainly it, has, it takes a toll on the nurse as well, the healthcare professional. Can you explain some of those risks or what you've seen in your career in terms of people have, that have struggled with that? Yeah, so I've, I've done some work in the second victim space in my career. The work was born out of an adverse event that happened once, and I've seen the process as a leader and I've seen the process as a nurse. And so when you think about the emotional harm that can be caused to someone who's trying to do good. That's kind of what I was reaching to earlier. Mm-hmm. Professionally, as a nurse, we're the number one trusted profession in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And we hear that all the time. But that's also because we hold ourselves in high regards. Sure. And so when we when we don't do our best, we can really be down on ourselves. And it's not just nursing. I think, you know, healthcare in general really wants to be there, right? We mm-hmm. want to be the people you come to when you want to be the most vulnerable and, and trust people the most. It's healthcare. And so when we have these events or things that really can cause us to struggle emotionally, we really have to be able to have mechanisms in place. You know, at the Cleveland Clinic, we have Emerge Stronger, which is specifically for our second victims of of adverse events. Or, you know, when we say adverse events, you said it earlier, it's not always because we made a mistake, right? It's because just the outcome of the patient or a caregiver may have not been what we wanted. It was just a bad event. But how do we support people in that exact moment? And a lot of that's the same thing, training, teaching, being aware to have a pulse of your team or the people around you. And knowing that, like I said earlier, with a just culture tree and all the things we do here, we're going to do what's best for everybody involved, no matter what the outcome of the event was or no matter what the almost outcome of the event was. And so I think that's where we really want to go to provide that psychological safety, right? It's okay to say, no, we're not going to do this today. It's also okay to say, I shouldn't have done this today, and I did, and now here's what happened. Right. And that's really the big picture piece of that is it's okay to say both ends of it. So, Craig, we have the benefit of of lots of great tools in our organization around, like you mentioned, the Just Culture Decision Tree, where it gives leaders an opportunity to go through each step of the process to really think about an event has happened or almost happened, and and how do we want to address this to make sure we're really keeping at heart that Just Culture that says, did did the processes fail us? You know, how can we learn from this? And so on. We have other 
ways that as an organization we we share near miss events or lessons learned so we can be, really reflect on our each location and each practice say what can I learn from the situation as a leader and as a caregiver knowing that hopefully with people in the audience who are from all over what would you say to nurses or even nurse leaders about what things should they be taking back to their teams and their organizations say here's some things we need in place to really encourage that speaking up and that listening up yeah I think some of the best parts that we have for tools are the fact that we're ever evolving. We all know that healthcare changes and so the speed of pace changes. And so it's funny when I go to nursing conventions and these other things and I see some of these poster presentations or podium presentations and they're like, oh, look at this great tool that we started here, you know, at this hospital system. And I think, oh, we had that like 10 years ago at the Cleveland Clinic, right? Sometimes we have a wealth of tools in our toolkit that we don't always use, right? And some of those are just culture decision trees, caring for caregivers, having leadership present on all these units. Mm -hmm. Look at our tiered huddles, right? Every day, someone has an opportunity at 7 a.m. at every bedside on med surge units to say, hey, I think this was a risk last night, or hey, I think we could do this better, or hey, this is something I really think we need to talk about. So we put a lot of things in place so we can gather that information. The key is to get the information back. Right? Yes, <laughs> And so that's, that's where we get the wins. So the more we provide the feedback in the end, whether that's, hey, you know what, that was a great idea. And now it's going to do this. And now we're going to have this new tool come or you really help catalyst a new way of calling, you know, it's uh, an event what it is. And then being able to bring all those resources back to them too. Caring for Caregivers is a great resource that we've had here for a long time, and it will take care of our caregivers in all kinds of situations. And I talked about it earlier, Emerge Stronger for our caregivers that are involved in adverse events that really feel distressed about what they do at work or what happened at work one day. So I think the real key and the win in all of that is making sure that we use the tools when we need them, but also everyone knows what tools we have. Yeah. So if you think about things that, that somebody could take from what we've experienced here, things like making sure that speaking up is trained and listening up is trained. And so it becomes part of your curriculum wherever you're a nurse, creating those mechanisms, whether it's a daily huddle, whatever that looks like in your organization to say, how do we outside of the moment share with our leaders, hey, this didn't go as intended or we're struggling with this protocol to really have natural mechanisms to elevate those concerns. And like you said, to really loop back with teams to say, we heard your concern, we're addressing it, or we need your ideas on how to address it. And then how to really make sure that we're, you know, our version is caring for caregivers. But to our listeners, think and look around your organization. What structures do you have in place, whether it's an employee assistance program or, or what are the things that are in place when somebody's saying, I, I'm struggling with the ethics of this or, or I, I need to let some things out? What mechanisms are there? And if there aren't programs around second victim or other ways, that, that that can be a great opportunity for your organization to really take care of their caregivers. So, Craig, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with our audience. We're going to switch gears a little bit and spend the last few minutes together. Our listeners have heard so much about you as an expert. Now we want to have the opportunity to learn a little bit more about you as, as a nurse and a, and a person of the world. So it's our speed round questions. So I'm looking for your gut reaction. So you mentioned earlier that you, know, you bragged to your kids that you were going to get to be on a podcast. So so if you had the opportunity to be a podcast host, what would your podcast topic be and who would your first guest be? Well, I think the only podcast that I ever really like got hooked on was Ron Burgundy podcast. So I don't know if that's, you know, <laughs> right. But, but I think comedy would be fun. Right? I think it's, 
levity that I don't always get in my day-to-day job. But I think something like that, you know, I don't know. I I don't know. <laughs> Definitely not going to say I'm as funny as Will Ferrell, but, you know. You know, it's a place I to got, start. <laughs> I got a whole sleeve full of dad jokes that, you know. Ah, it's the Dad Joke Podcast with Craig Tobias. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> My kids are cringing already. I'm sure. That's all right. That's good for them. So it's time to unwind at the end of your day. What's your go-to media? Do you prefer TV or books or music? What's your go-to? We are movie people. Netflix, put everything down and and watch a movie together. So that's our go-to move. And it's still family time. We don't always agree on what movie to watch, but we find (laughs) there's enough media out there now we can find some. That's right. All right. Well, Craig, thank you so much for joining us and take care. Thank you. Thank you. As always, thanks so much for joining us for today's discussion. Don't miss out. Subscribe to hear new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, we want to hear from you. Do you have ideas for future podcasts or want to share your stories? Email us at nurseessentials at ccf.org. To learn more about nursing at Cleveland Clinic, please check us out at clevelandclinic.org nursing. Until next time, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical or legal advice. Consult your local state boards of nursing for any specific practice questions. Mm